Hey, this is Pastor Daniel McGee with Connection Church in New York City. Thank you for listening to our church's weekly podcast. We hope God uses this sermon to encourage you and to increase your faith in Him. If you'd like to know more about our church, please check out our website at ConnectionNYC.com or like us on Facebook at ConnectionNYC. Grace and peace be with you. Good morning, everyone. We uh, want to welcome you again from the University of Arkansas at Monticello. Did you know that that I went to school there for three semesters? Yeah, and two of them counted. (laughs) Not joking. (laughs) So I ended up uh, transferring to Henderson State and finished up there in Arkadelphia. Uh, But I have good good memories of University of Arkansas at Monticello. In fact, uh, one of the, actually, a life-changing moment happened there. This is not part of the sermon, but I'm going to share it anyway because I think it's, it's good. Um, but it was in a moment of time in life where I was at a low point and uh, just been heartbroken uh, by a girl, of course. And uh, I was uh, just in a bad spot and my grades were suffering. And I had to make like A's on four, three finals and two of them were comprehensive. And one was biology, the other was algebra. Not my strongest suits at that point in my life. I wasn't focused on those. <laughs> uh, did I mention the heartbreak? Um, so uh, the, I, uh, I, I passed my algebra. I mean, I studied like crazy, um, passed all of them, and biology was different. I had to make a 90 on that. Um, and there were 50 questions, two points apiece. And I talked to my professor beforehand and said, hey, I realize I have stunk all semester. Uh, what do I need to do? And he said this. You know, 90. I said, all right. He said, well, come and let me grade it after you finish it so you'll know. If I didn't make a 90 on that, I wouldn't get a C in the class and I would be on academic probation and I couldn't transfer. So it was a big deal. I would have like, been out of school for a while or going to a different route. So um, I go and I, I studied so hard and I, I did so good on the test. But I was like, I'm close, but I don't know if I made it. Um, and he, I take the test to him and he starts grading it. And I see him mark, I can miss five, right? That's 90, 50, two points apiece, we good? So I'm marked, I'm watching, he goes, one, two, three, I'm like, dang it, four, five, and when he's about three quarters of the way through, and he marks that sixth one. Yeah, you're feeling what I felt. (laughs) And I was just like, oh, I didn't make it. He closed the book, closed the paper, He wrote 90, and he said, good job. Now, that wasn't a Christian school thing, but that was God's grace. And um, he saw through to the heart of what I was trying to do and that I tried really hard, and he gave me grace. Um, And it changed my life. It did. A lot of times we'll find God's grace in in odd places, and it won't be where we're expecting to look. And I think today in the book of Acts, join me in chapter 6, and seven. We're going to cover two chapters today, but don't worry. We're going to go through it quickly. We're going to see God's grace in a place that we might look and at first see something that we would call tragic. Acts chapter 6. I'm going to paraphrase a lot of this first. Um, so what, to get you up to speed very quickly on where we are, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, it filled the church, and it moved like crazy. Wonderful things were happening. There were healings, there were miracles, there were 
just amazing moves of God. They were speaking in languages they didn't even know. God was sending out the gospel. The gospel was the good news of Jesus. He was just breaking down all the barriers that men and women had erected, mostly men at that point, but that we had raised in those times to keep us separated. He was tearing those down with the cross, the good news of Jesus. And so this Holy Spirit is flooding the church. Men, women, and all who call on the name of Jesus are being filled with the Spirit, and it is causing the church to grow and multiply. You get to chapter 6, and basically they're, they're realizing that some people aren't being taken care of the way they need to be taken care of. And they say, we need to kind of anoint some people and, and, or appoint some people to go and minister to them so that we can do the things that we need to do because we're kind of slacking on our job of preaching the word and prayer because we're taking care of these. And so they anointed or appointed, I keep saying that, but he's anointed by the Holy Spirit. He appointed a man named Stephen um, and, and others as well. But there was this one man, Stephen, and, and this is kind of where we get the role of deacons in the church as well uh, that are going out to, to minister to people physically. Like if you're sick or if you're hungry, these people were going out to minister to you and give you practical things that you needed. Very important part of our church. So the word of God spread. This caused the more disciples to grow, and things were flourishing. They, they saw the problem, and they fixed it. And it was, uh, they appointed them. If you look in verse 3, it says, Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit, and wisdom. So as we continue going through the book of Acts, we're going to continue pointing out the Holy Spirit is the centerpiece of this book. Obviously, Jesus is the centerpiece, but Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is tied to Jesus. So we're not diminishing Jesus' role when we emphasize the Spirit's role. We're utilizing the gift God has given to us, and we're able to do more than what Jesus said He was able to do. And those are His words from the Gospel of John. And so He, he says, go out, and this was the criteria to find them to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And if you look down to verse 5, the proposal pleased the whole group, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of what? The Holy Spirit. And then there was Philip and other names that I can't pronounce. They laid hands on them, prayed over them, and anointed them, and the Word of God spread. So great things happened, okay? Now this man, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom is about to go through something that most of us would call tragic. This is known as the first Christian martyr. Uh, it's not the first person that died for their faith in God, but the Christian is this transition of the way where we stop following necessarily in our concept the Jewish God of Israel, but we start following the Messiah of the world. Now, the Messiah came through Israel, but, it's, but He is for the world. And so there's this transition. So Christian means one who belongs to Christ, and Christ means the Messiah. So I am one who belongs to the Messiah. Jesus is the Christ. That's what the gospel is. He is the Messiah. So this is uh, him, and so he's about to die. I'm at, if you haven't heard this story before, it's quite tragic. So it says in verse 8, I wanted to emphasize this verse 8, and maybe you can mark that or highlight that if you have a device, but now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power. One of the things that is, is easy to, to point out someone who's marked by the Holy Spirit is that there is a, a grace that is just welling within them. They're not bitter. They're not angry. You know, those are things that can well up, right? But those aren't the norm. The Holy Spirit changes us. It's a transformation. Christianity is not about me checking off the boxes of things that, yes, I agree with that, I agree with that, I vote yes on the proposal. 
It's this life-changing engagement with God. I give my life to Him. I surrender to Him. And there's, there's a change that comes from that. Repentance is, is, and faith is, is part of the necessary means by which we are, are saved. Repentance and faith. That repentance is an action. It's a change. It's a change of direction. No longer am I following my way. No longer am I the Lord of my life. But I yield and I give my life to Jesus. So he's full of God's grace. And he's full of also not just grace. Of, and grace is something we don't deserve. I don't deserve grace. I don't deserve mercy. But not only do I have this grace of like, wow, God has been so good to me. And so now I'm going to be gracious to you. But I also have power. So I'm able to, to live differently. Do I always live differently? Do I always succeed? No. That's where, thankfully, I receive God's grace even more. But I start to live in power, and I start to work in that. And so the more I live full of the Spirit, the more I will be full of grace and full of power. So one of the questions I have for you is, are you full of the Spirit? Sometimes I'm just full of it. Are you full to overflowing where the Spirit is just flooding you? I don't know if I'm going to cover this, but I need to tell you, if you're not, you can be that way. All you need to do is receive the Spirit from God and say, Lord Jesus, I receive your Spirit, and just pray and sit in the presence of God. I got good news this morning on the way to church. I was driving, and I got a bling bling on the new device here that I won't mention Apple because they don't pay me. <laughs> But I got this new device that says, congratulations, your screen time was down 13% this week. I'm like, all right, that's good. And so I'm thinking less screen time and more prayer time, right? I don't know if I necessarily, I probably did pray more this week because things have been happening. But the more time we spend with prayer, the less time we're distracted by the things of the world, the superficial, superficial surface things of the world the more we can be changed by God. It doesn't just happen easily. It's not just a pill you take to change you. It's spending time with the Lord, receiving His Spirit. So this Stephen, great wonders and signs among the people. And of course, we see this happen throughout this book. It, it created opposition. People hated that. Stephen was messing their, messing their stuff up. So he... Uh, they came to argue with him, but they couldn't. In verse 10, they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. So they couldn't out-argue him. It just didn't make sense. It was illogical to them. It didn't flow. They couldn't defeat that because it wasn't Stephen, right? It wasn't just his arguments. It was the Spirit giving him this wisdom that was the power of God that can't be overturned. It can't be beaten. And so they secretly persuaded him to paraphrase a lot of this. They form a plot. They start lying about him. And now he's on trial. They seize him. And he goes before the Sanhedrin. Remember the Sanhedrin from last week, I think I said? It's kind of like the Supreme Court of elders. Okay, they're the, the final say. They make decisions. And so he goes up to the, to the Supreme Court. And uh, you should read. I'm giving you homework, okay? Chapter 7. Good night. It's fantastic. It gives you a history of, of Israel. And the prophets and the, the patriarchs of the, uh, of the nation of Israel. And it, it's powerful. And he shows, he presents his case really well. And I, it, it, it's fantastic. He talks about Abraham. He's like, yep, didn't listen to him. Uh, Joseph, yep, screwed that one up too. Jacob, 
Jacob was Israel or became Israel, right? And then uh, brings up Abraham again, talks about Moses and how God worked that way and you still didn't listen. Talks about Moses quite a bit. Talks about how we, they told Aaron to make us gods because we don't want to listen to Moses, we want our own gods. We won't even listen to him. And in verse 42 of chapter 7, if you want to look there, time and time again, the people of God don't listen to God. And time and time again, He pursues them. But also you'll see times when God will let them go their own way and let them have what they want. And they suffer for it. Now, does God want that to happen? Say no. But what do you do? I mean, as a parent, we can't control our kids. I mean, when they're two, you pick them up, you put them over here. You can control that, right? But when they're older, you can't control your children, right? You, so you, what do you do? Sometimes you have to let them suffer the consequences of their choices. And Jesus does this, or God does this in, in verse 42. It says, they, they brought sacrifices to this idol that they'd made with their own hands. They wanted something that they could understand and, and have control over. They made that idol with their own hands. And they brought these sacrifices to it, which is really foolish if you think about it, but we do it too. Not so obviously. But God turned away from them, verse 44, 40, 42. God turned away from them and He gave them over to the worship of the sun, moon, and stars. He gave them what they wanted. It didn't turn out well for them. He talks about Joshua, talks about David, talks about Solomon, talks about the prophet Isaiah. He said, however, all these things that Solomon built the house for God in verse 48, however, the Most High does not live in houses made by human hands, as the prophet says, and the prophet he's talking about here is Isaiah. He's quoting Isaiah 66. And he says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me? It's like, how in the heck do you think you're going to contain me in a house? Hello. Says the Lord, he says, or, will, or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? All right, now verse 51. You have to join me here. All right, you really need to read chapter 7 because it's fantastic, all right? I skimmed over it. But this is the point I'm getting at today. Peter, uh, Peter, Peter. Stephen says this. He says, you stiff-necked people. Now, how do you think that would go over today? Probably about as good as it went over here, right? <laughs> but you think, where is he coming from this? Why are you so hostile, Stephen? Now, be careful. Don't read your hostility into this. I don't know that he was hostile. It sounds like he presented a great case, and he's prophetically giving a word from God and saying, you stiff-necked people, because guess who he's quoting? Who's he quoting right here? The Old Testament, yeah, and, but the person he's quoting is God. The Lord God said this over and over in Exodus, you stiff-necked people, you stiff-necked people. So he's like, he's bring, oh, you're going to bring God into this, huh? Yeah, so he's, he's saying exactly, he's saying, you're doing the same exact thing. Your hearts and your ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors, and check this out, you always resist the what? The who? The Holy Spirit. You're resisting what God is doing. You're fighting against it. You can't see that God is here to help you. That verse we just sang a minute ago, good night, that was a great song. Um, this is the first Noel. This is the first time I've heard this version. 
with good night. Uh, the, 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 the hands that brought healing were pierced as he died. That almost wrecked me. The hands that came to heal, we pierced. And he says, you did the same thing that your ancestors have done. You're doing it right now. You resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestor didn't persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one, which is Jesus. And now you have betrayed him and you have murdered him. You have received the law that was given through angels, but you have not obeyed it. Now, he's speaking by the fullness of the Spirit. So we need to remember this. He's got grace and power. He's not there angry and mad like sometimes maybe I would be. Sometimes I'm not the righteous one in, in the moment. I'm, I'm righteously indig indignant, right? And sometimes that might be a little bit, uh, what's it called when you're, uh, they're in opposition. What's it called, Jeremy? Conflicting. They're, they're conflicting. That can't happen. It's, it's an oxymoron, I think is what I'm trying to say. It, it just can't be. You can't be righteous. <laughs> Thank you. There's a lot of things. But. There's a lot of things there. And so it's just like, you know, sometimes I, I respond in anger when there's an injustice. But that's a Daniel response and not a Holy Spirit response. So I have to wrestle with, am I full of the Holy Spirit? I'm going to respond differently when I'm encountering an injustice, whether it be towards people or towards myself, towards others, or towards myself. I was talking this week with uh, another father, and we both, well, he, he had said it, and I was like, yeah, me too. It's like one of my easy triggers to get me kind of hot is when somebody picks on my kid, you know? Like, it just, it just tears me up, you know? It's, it's just easy for me to, to respond in anger. And so I have to be full of the Spirit. Well, in verse 54... If you have a heading in your Bible that probably tells you what's about to happen, it says the stoning of Stephen. So these people, the Sanhedrin, did not like what they heard, and they were um, furious. They gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, and it says, full of the Holy Spirit, this is verse 55, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man, which is referencing who? Jesus, and they knew that. I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God, and that is the position of power, even equality. He's one with God. That is not acceptable according to the Sanhedrin. You don't, God is God. The Messiah hasn't come yet. And if the Messiah comes, the Sanhedrin has to be sitting there, and we're going to be the first to know. We're the Supreme Court. Who do you think you are coming in here calling us stiff-necked? We have the answers. As they, at this, when he said this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. You, the brutality of this is just, can you just imagine? They're just yelling, gnashing their teeth, and they grab him, and they drag him out of the city, and they pick up rocks and just hit him over and over until life leaves his body. Meanwhile, the witnesses, they laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were actively throwing rocks, stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, 
receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said that, he fell asleep. He died. Now tell me he wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit. Who do we know that said the same words, receive my spirit? He was on the cross, right? Jesus did that. He says, into your hands, I commend my spirit. Who else do we hear say, Lord, do not hold this sin against them? Jesus, on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Now, it is so easy for me to look at this story and think this is a tragedy. Stephen's life, why did he have to have it cut short like this? Why did this happen? I don't have the answer to that. I don't know that I will have the answer to that until the Lord returns and we start to talking to Stephen and, 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 and figuring out, man, there's a lot of things I didn't understand, but now it makes sense. Right now we see in part, but then we'll see in full, right? That's what Paul talks about. I don't understand that part, but here's what I do understand. In verse 1 of chapter 8, it says, And Saul approved of their killing him. Now, how can we get triumph out of this tragedy? Well, because God knows what He's doing and we don't. This man named Saul was going to be a transformative figure in the church. He was going to be the apostle to the Gentiles. He was going to be the one responsible for taking the word out of Israel to the people that weren't Jewish. And if you're not Jewish, Jewish, then you are, and you're here today, you have a lot to be thankful for, for this Saul being converted to be a follower of Jesus. Because he was a persecutor of the church. And we're going to get more into that in the weeks to come of how bad Saul was. And we're going to see this miraculous healing from him uh, of spiritually uh, in a time of, of him being kind of put in time out. He's going to come to faith, but God's not going to immediately send him out. He's going to, all right, you're going to time out for a few years here before I send you out to do what you got to do because there's a lot of stuff we got to figure out. It wasn't an easy thing for him to transition. But in the midst of all this tragedy, there's triumph. There's triumph. There's triumph for Stephen. Stephen wasn't worried. He was praying for the people who were throwing rocks to kill him. Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Don't hold this against them. They just don't know yet. The more full of the Holy Spirit you are, the more you're going to see past the superficial. And I'm not calling you superficial, but I'm, what I'm saying is I can see you and I can, I can touch you, right? And so I can see that, but I can't see what happens in your heart right now. I can't see the burdens in your life. I can't see what you dealt with yesterday that you just feel like giving up on. I can't see where you're starting to lose hope. I can't see into the spiritual world. And so we live in a world of spiritual warfare. And if you are trying to engage that spiritual warfare on your own power, you're going to lose every time. But if you are engaging the Holy Spirit and full of the Spirit, guess what? You're going to have grace and power every time. And you'll win even when you think or others think that you might be losing. You'll go through those tough times. And you'll know that even when I can't see it, you're working. And you may not feel it but you'll know it to be true. And that's where faith comes in. That's where faith comes in. God is working. Even in the midst of tragedy, because of God's Holy Spirit, we can triumph. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we bless you. We thank you so much for the victory that you've given to us. Thank you for 
this powerful story of Stephen. And I pray, Lord, that we would be uh, a group of people just like him, that we would aspire to simply be full of your Holy Spirit and to live a life that would bring glory and honor to you. And I pray that we would even be able to see into the spiritual world like Stephen did. That you would give us a glimpse into what is the reality that's happening behind the reality that's, that's fueling the circumstances around us that we see. Give us a humility, Lord, to realize that we can't um, in any way have victory on our own. But give us the confidence of knowing that when we are trusting in you, Jesus, and we are full of your spirit, that we will have victory every time. We have victory. We may struggle in the meantime. There may be some difficult things. There may be times when we have to stand up and, and, and say things to people that we know is going to cost us something. It may even cost us our lives. But we know more than anything, Lord, that we, we belong to you and we're living our lives simply for you. Help us to take that next step of faith, Lord. I thank you for each person who's here today. And I pray your anointing over them. I pray that you would just cause them to remove the, the barriers in their lives, in their lives that are, that are causing them to experience you less than they can. So may we all want more of you, Lord, because we can't get too much of you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.